Romans 8, if you will, because we're still going to be in Romans, and we're actually going to start in Romans this week. And I think pretty much we will almost stay in Romans this week. Romans 8, 28. Most of us are familiar with. Let's start, let's start in verse 20, uh, 26 instead. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We talked about weakness last week, remember? That when we are weak, He is strong through us. That grace was un... What? Do you remember? What grace was? Unlimited strength. Unlimited strength. Okay. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Ever pray like that? That you ran out of words and this groaning came out from inside of you? That's the Holy Spirit inside of you. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's comforting. And here's verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Do we believe that this morning? That all things work together for good to those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Maybe you're not like me in this way. That Sometimes I read that passage and it says all things work together for good. And I go, really now? Really? I mean, you know. My wife has cancer. And I think sometimes what it is, at least for me and maybe for you, is the struggle with the definition of what God thinks is all good and what I think is good. And that sometimes there's a, there's a huge gap between those two definitions of what good is. Maybe you don't struggle with that. Maybe I'm the only one here today. Maybe, but maybe not. Can I just say what this verse is not saying first? This verse is not saying that we get to live our lives so separated from God, doing what we want, pleasing ourselves, living a way that's against God's wishes, God's purposes, God's plans, God's desire, God's will, and that he'll just come and fix our mess for us. Scripture is not saying that. This scripture is a promise For sons and daughters of the Most High God. For those who have chosen to bend their knee to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as King of everything that we are, that is a promise for sons and daughters, for true disciples. For those, to the best of our ability, are trying to live for Jesus Christ every day of our lives. This is a distinct promise just for us who call ourselves Sons and daughters of God. God is saying, look, (laughs) I know you're going through all things. Good, bad, ugly, everything in between those things. I know that you are, but I promise you, I'm going to work them together for good. I have a purpose. I have a plan. I'm going to, because you're called to me. That word call in the Greek means to be invited in and appointed. To be invited in and appointed. And remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about that we have, we have granted authority. 
to enter the presence of God. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his sacrifice, we have granted authority to stand before God. It's the same thing. We've been invited in. We've been appointed to something. Now, the word purpose there is the same meaning what the uh, Jewish people used to take the showbread to bring into the tabernacle, to set it apart as sacred for God. So we are appointed for a sacred purpose. That's why it works out for the good. Because God's idea of good is so far different than my idea of good. I have an idea of what good should be. Jay gets his way all the time, just the way he likes it. And, really, and you know, there's nothing bad about that. I mean, I want good things, obviously. I want all my bills to be paid. I want my wife to be free of cancer. I want my kids to have successful careers and marriages and, you know, all, all that. And now those are good things. But God's definition of good is even better than that. It means that my life is set aside for a purpose that is meant to change this world. Amen. We've been called. We've been set apart. We've been appointed for something. So the things that we go through, the sufferings and the, and the trials that we go through, what did we say last week? That suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces what? Hope. Hope in what God is going to do in the future. Someday we, we get to live for all eternity with him, but hope here and now, as we walk through our life, understanding what our purpose is, discovering what our purpose is, and living our lives for good for the kingdom of God. This is, this is why all things work together for good. Because we're called. We're called to this. We've been invited to this. We've been appointed for this. And we've been set apart for this. This is why this is a promise for, for king's kids. For God's people. This is not something that we should be bragging about. Because he did the work. It doesn't mean that we're, we're all that in a bag of chips. It just means that we understand who we are in Christ. And that gives us the freedom to live in purpose. The purpose of God. So that the, when the people look at us, we're not, we're not all full of ourselves. We're full of him. Understanding who we are in Christ. So that they're attracted to Christ and not to whatever we're trying to do. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? The other thing this is not saying, God is not saying that all things are good. Cancer is not good. Losing your job, losing a loved one, going through a, a, a deep, deep spiritual struggle. You know, they're not, those things are not good. God is fully aware of the evil of this world. God has always been aware of the evil in this world. Much more so than you and I have ever been or ever will be. Because we still get surprised about evil, don't we? We read something on the news. We hear something on the radio or TV. And we go, oh my goodness, what is going on in this world? It's God is never surprised by this. God has been aware of evil and the effects of sin from the beginning of time. He understands that we wade through ripples of other people's sin. We wade through our own bad choices, decisions. That this, the evil of this world affects us. God knows that all things are not good. 
But he works them for good. He uses them for good. He, he, his purpose is so beyond what we can understand at times. I understand we struggle with it. But God is saying to us, look, I know that, that there is evil in this world and it affects you. But I promise you that all things work together for good. Because you're in me. You're in me. You're in me. All right, go to Romans 12. While you're going there, I'm going to read something out in Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Oh, God is really cool. I'm telling you. All things. Some things? A few things? Once in a while, some things? All things. Graciously give us all things. And who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It sounds like God has all things covered. I don't know about you at this point, but it sounds like he's got all things covered. God is a God of all things. He's got all things covered. Okay, did you go to Romans 12 yet? Okay, someone read verses 1 to 2 for me, please. Really loud. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You want to change your mind for good? Would you like to change your mind for good? What is this verse, these two verses saying to us? There's a huge step in front of making that happen. Present ourselves as living sacrifices. What does that mean? Get on the altar and die. Get on the altar and die. Who wants to get on the altar and die this morning? So it's not a trick question. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Because what does that mean to get on the altar and die? To be a living sacrifice? Die to self. Die to self. It means to give up all the things you want. It means I come to the realization that I am not my own anymore. I have been bought with a price. And I think the sooner we get this into our, our spirit, into our heart, into our mind, the freer we'll be. 
See, if I don't belong to myself anymore, then I am at the, I serve at the pleasure of the king. I don't have to worry about myself any longer. I don't have to worry about how I perceive what is good any longer. I am accepting what the Father says is good. And I live under his definition of what good means. Not my definition of what good means. Everything, this is, I present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It already means that we're holy and acceptable. We've been invited in. We've been appointed. We've been granted authority to be in the presence of God. We've been set apart. We're sacred. Are you not overwhelmed by this this morning? That's a great position. Yeah. And it's only reasonable, it says. It's meant to be worshipped. This is what this means. That everything I say, everything I do, everything that I become is worship. And here's the biggest thing. Everything I think. See, what I think about God becomes what I believe about God. What I think about God will dictate what I believe about God. As the scripture says, as a man thinketh, so is his heart. So what I believe about God is attributed to what I think about God. But it says right here that we can be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So that we can test what is the will of God. Test and discern what the will of That means that we can test it and we can understand it. There's usually two sides to God's will. There's the sovereign will of God. It's the will of God that holds everything in place. The whole, you know, things that we can't even understand about God because his ways and his thoughts are higher to us. The sovereign will of God that can't be stopped. And then there's the revealed word of God in this. And the wonderful words that we read and study and meditate. And this is what gives us the mind of Christ, the Bible says. Let me drop that on you again. We have the mind of Christ. That means we get to be able to think like Jesus thinks. We get to plan like Jesus plans. We get to understand like Jesus understands. We get to imagine like Jesus imagines. You don't think God has an imagination? He gave me as your pastor. Okay, he has a great imagination. Okay. We have the mind of Christ. We don't have to rely on our thinking. We can have the mind of Christ which helps us understand his word. Which helps us to be able to discern the will of God because our mind is being renewed. Restored. Did you know your mind needed to be restored and renewed? Every day. This is where um, brainwashing is good. My brain needs to be washed. It needs to be cleansed. It needs to be able to think like Jesus does. Because if I'm left to my own thoughts, it's not good. It's not good. I need to have the mind of Christ. I need to be able to have my mind renewed. Don't be conformed to this world. The world, uh, the word conform here means that I fashion myself to look like something. I make myself look like something. 
And Paul is saying, don't make yourself look like the world. Don't think like the world. Don't act like the world. Don't be like the world. Not because he... It's not about the do's and don'ts. Okay? It's about being someone. So, So don't be like this world and the way they think. Because look what, how the world thinks. Look at the fruit that it produces. Do we wonder why there's such identity issues in the world? <laughs> because what the world thinks changes every three seconds. It's in a constant state of upheaval. And so he's saying, don't, don't think like them. Instead, be transformed, be changed from the inside out. Be transformed. And that's a more permanent thing. It's steadfast. It's steady. It doesn't, it's not a double-mindedness. It's a focused way of living. To be transformed. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind this morning. Because I can, it will help me understand what the will of God is. And it says it will help me understand what is good and acceptable and perfect. It helps me understand what God's definition of what good is. So that I, when I know that all things work together for good, it's, oh, this, this God's definition of good, not mine. Oh, that's a lot more, a lot more freeing than my God. Even though I might want what I want, this is so much more freeing for me. Because I'm being transformed. I'm being made new. I'm no longer a part of my past. I am part of God's future. So what I said before is really true. What What we think about God ends up being what we believe about God. So it is hugely important. Everybody in this room has a God is statement. Fill in the blank. A God is statement. And sometimes that statement changes depending on what we're walking through. Or what we're dealing with. What trials and tribulations or hardships that we're walking through. Sometimes that God is blank statement changes radically. How we think about God is this. You know, if, we're, if, we, if we have a God is statement, whatever follow follows God is, is going to follow you. So get this. This is what I mean. If I think that God is unkind because of a certain situation that I'm going through, if I think he's not listening to me, then I don't think he's compassionate to me, that is going to trip up my faith. It's going to follow me. It's going to follow me into that situation and it's going to make me despair even more. It's going to make me doubt even more because it's an untrue statement about God. Follow me so far? If I change that and I say God is merciful, God is good, and then what comes to mind is that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, whatever follows that God is statement is going to follow you. 
So if I say, my God is a mighty warrior, then I can go back to that scripture that says that I am more than a conqueror. See, because I, because whatever follows that statement is going to follow me. I could, my, now my faith is being propelled. It, it, it has fuel behind it. The fuel of the knowledge of who God is and who I am in God. See, those, those God is statements are huge of how we proclaim them and pronounce them over ourselves. And so we don't ever want to get into a position where we, um, say God is unfaithful. God is not kind because I don't understand why he's not answering my prayers. And, and we just, we begin to have a picture, a mindset of God that is not going to feed us freedom. I was here earlier this morning praying. I said, Father, okay, this is, this is great. And I know you're speaking life into this. I, I just feel like there's a, there's a word for us that you, uh, that you have for us. And so here's, here's, here's the prophetic part of the, of the message. Stop settling for less. And stop surrendering to lesser things. Stop settling for less and stop surrendering to lesser things. And here's what I felt like the Father was saying. We surrender to things all the time. We surrender to our fears. We surrender to our doubts. We surrender to ungodly thinking. It's a choice. We have the same power to choose and surrender to God's will, God's purposes, God's definition of goodness. And to change our thought process. You know, what, the, what does the Bible say? It says to take every thought captive, which means I have the authority over my thoughts. So when my mind starts to wander and start to think of lesser things and I start to settle for it, I can take those thoughts captive and apply the word of God to it because I have that authority. And when I do that, then I do not surrender to lesser things. I only surrender to God. And when I surrender to God, he helps renew my mind so I can think like Christ and so that I can discern his will and his purposes and his plans despite whatever I'm facing. Does that make sense? God says stop settling for less and stop surrendering to lesser things. It means we have a choice. We have much more choice than I think we even realize and how much we choose lesser things. Let not your heart be troubled. In this world you will have many trials and tribulations. But what? Fear not. I have overcome the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am more than a conqueror. That word means super conqueror. More than conqueror. I am a super conqueror. Father says, my sons and daughters often settle for less. And I want them to stop. I just think that's very kind of God to remind us. (laughs) Not to settle for lesser things. And not to surrender to lesser things.